These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Cinema A to B. This is the big one, Alec. This is the big one. This is the one we've been waiting to talk about (laughs) for weeks, for weeks. Ever since we launched the podcast, we've been waiting to talk about this. The first season of Andor on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I mean, everyone loves this show. Like, it has gotten nothing but praise. So if you're here looking for, like, we're going to talk bad about this, no. Because I <laughs> absolutely loved this show. Um, Mandalorian is great. And I really liked Mandalorian. But this, this far and away, this is the better show. Like, hands down. I had an emotional experience at the end of season two of Mandalorian. I mean, we're talking, like, crying. And I don't cry ever in movies like i can feel the heartstrings pull i can like you know feel my eyes well up i can feel the emotions don't cry never 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 i cried twice like i watched it and cried by myself and then i watched it with with the wife and cried a second time like at the end of the mandalorian anyways mandalorian so that's point. So that's mandalorian. Okay, so season, that's mandalorian yeah season, yeah, yeah, yeah. season two mandalorian yeah sure but, so I have high praise for Mandalorian, but Andor is far and away the better show in so many, many things. Huge Star Wars nerd, as you know. So I love – and this is the period – this is the period of time I really love. Like I love the – the. The height of the empire kind of a thing, and we're getting to see non-Jedi. We're going to try to see how the world works uh, a lot, and that is – makes it so much interesting we like to see how the bureaucracy works out we get to see how you know kind of the rebellion started we get to see what day-to-day life is for normal joes you know and things of that sort and just how terrible it was and what pushes you to then give up your desire for safety your desire to live well and actually rebel um and I got to tell you, so I, I rewatched the first episode of The Mandalorian and I rewatched the first ep- episode of Andor just because I'm like, I remember when I watched The Mandalorian, we'd all come off of the crappiness that is this, uh, that is the uh, sequel series. And the first episode is, of Mandalorian is good, but Andor like sets so much up. It's so much more focused on the character instead of the spectacle. Um, and... I know with Andor they didn't do the whatever that OLED screen is like they did in Mandalorian and Obi Wan and Boba Fett and a lot of those. Um, they shot a lot on location um, for for Andor and it shows like a hundred percent. It shows yeah. just the kind of the feeling of into it and that kind of stuff. And I've talked so before I go too much farther. Your thoughts? What what did you feel? So this is the best piece of Star Wars. This is the best thing that has Star Wars labeled slapped on it since a new hope and the empire strikes back it's it's as good mm. it's as good empire yeah. to me is kind of the crowning achievement of star wars and tonally andor is is right there where desperation rules and rules the day and this this behemoth that is the empire is is operating basically unrestricted you're not really scared of the empire after the empire strikes back that's kind of a weakness of Jedi is 
they lose their, you lose the fear factor, I guess mm-hmm. that's there in a new hope that's there in empire strikes back. And rogue one did a good job of that too, but Andor, man, I mean, this is, this is an empire at their full capabilities to absolutely utterly ruin your life. Mm-hmm. Even if you do everything right, they're still going to find a way to ruin you. And I know they I've told care. you this. No, they don't. They're, they're you're such an insignificant little peon mm-hmm. that their systems and regulations just find a way to trample you underfoot. Mm. So it's, there's some anxiety watching this show for the major characters other than obviously Cassian. You, you have that working against it because you know, he's going to survive. What you don't know is what and who will he lose along the way, which is a strength of the show. But this is really high level stuff from the writing to the casting. The visual effects are done in such a way that nothing seems nothing seems like the visual effects team is showing off. Mm-hmm. It's merely there to tell story, which I can't always say. That's a problem I felt like the prequels had and aspects of Book of Boba Fett was there was just a lot of visual effects that were sort of for fan service. And Andor has none of that. If it doesn't serve the story and it's an effects piece, it's not there. They're, they're not going to bother to shoot it. And real quick, it, Andor does have fan service. Like it's see, but it does it right. It it is so subtle. It is so in the background. It's not like stupid Rise of Skywalker. Where it's like let's give Chewbacca a medal because he should have gotten one episode four. Yeah, okay, we all know that, but that was so. Oh, I I hate that movie. I hate it. 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 Like literally, I hate it. It's terrible. Um, and there's so much I hate about that movie. But like Andor gets it right. And one of the things I love about it is that so at, big Star Wars nerd as an expanded universe guy, I've read read a lot of the books. I played I've played the role play games like timothy's on when he wrote his thrawn trilogy like the thing that kind of reignited the love for star wars i would i would you know say was lucas lucas film said here are a bunch of the role-playing books you can base a lot of stuff so it had a lot of ships had a lot of like the structure of the empire all these different things that he kind of could pull from and at first he was like you're putting me into a box and he was like there's a wealth of knowledge. And this is what I feel like Andor does is that it's, it, it doesn't try to reinvent the wheel or let's make a new ship. It's like, Hey, let's pull from some stuff, you know, like it's taking planet names from dark forces video game. Like, right. Which I played, which was fantastic. And it took a gun, like your main gun from dark forces, the, the briar pistol was in the show. I mean, like, again, this is like, I, when I was a kid, I played this game and now it's here in a, in a you know, the show 20, 30 years later. And like, like but, but it's again, it's fan service. I love it, but it's not, See, but it's it not goes so past, It goes by my head because I've, yeah. I've played dark forces, but I didn't, I didn't notice stuff like that, yeah. but I still think it's the best thing I saw last year. Mm-hmm. Hands down. I mean, and there's no close, there's no close second. No, it's definitely the best star. Like you said, this is the best star Wars since empire hands down. I mean, yeah. again, I love Mandalorian, but I love, I love how they broke it, you know, broke up the, the series into small little chapters, you know, of like three or four episodes of we're dealing with this and then we're dealing with this. And it made it feel like instead of a 10 episode, you know, while it was or 12 episode show, it felt more like three movies. And, you know, you kind of, you, yeah. know, you know, move that along. And I really, really enjoyed it. Read it to uh, Disney for, for 
distributing it that way. Yeah. yeah. And like, we, we teased this in an earlier episode when we brought up Andor um, with their three episode drop to start Andor. Mm-hmm. And why, why was that so important? And it's because the end of episode three with the music score rising and the intercut is like the end of a Christopher Nolan movie. It's that mm-hmm. good. The mm-hmm. The end of three was when I went, this, this is amongst the best things I'm going to see all year. And then obviously it ended up being the absolute best thing put yeah. to screen that I watched in 2022. It, the end of, of episode three really gave me the same kind of feels as the dark Knight when Gary Oldman does that speech yeah. or like about how he's, you know, he's not mm-hmm. the hero uh, we deserve, but the, it's the hero we need. Like that, that gave me a lot of feels. And I'll tell you right now, like, like I said, I don't cry that much. I cried at the season two Mandalorian, but a lot, lot of it was nostalgia and all that fun stuff. Um, but I definitely got close at the end of season, like episode three of Andor yeah. where I got, it I was, was just like, and it wasn't like I wouldn't say it's heavy handed, but it definitely no. it, it, it took three episodes to build to this moment. And they did a phenomenal job of kind of getting you there without doing some of those, you know, typical like, you know, let's, you know, what am I trying to say? Like build, you know, build up to it in a very noticeable way or like we're going to tug on your heartstrings where it was kind of very natural of like this is how his life is going kind of a situation. Yeah, And they repeat that pattern three or four times through the mm-hmm. course of the, what you said, it's 12 episodes, right? It's yeah. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's 12 episodes. If I'm so right yeah, way. what they do very well. And I think it should be, I have no problem saying this should probably in, be industry standard with how you do these series is they build over three episodes. They build to, to a crescendo and then they pay it off at the end of episode three. And then episode four, things kind of calm down again. Mm-hmm. And then you're building again over three or four episodes and you have another big payoff and some shows do this really well. Why all of them don't is kind of beyond me. There's a formula here that works for these big budget streaming series. And it's to do that. It's, it's the rise and fall over three or four episodes. And you mean all the while you're still building to that penultimate episode, which typically is like, ends up being like the second to last episode. Mm -hmm. And then because they almost need another one to tie up loose ends before you before you're done with the first season or season two. This thing is perfection with Mm -hmm. with the way it rises and falls. And the performances are just crazy. I mean, I think I told you the only other actor that I could have envisioned in the role of Luthen besides Stellan Skarsgård was Gary Oldman. That's it. There's yeah. no one, there's no, there's not this long list of actors that I think would have brought the gravitas to that role. And obviously Stellan crushes it. Oh. And so, so does, so does Diego Luna. This is an expansion of this character. They He's, all do. Like, yeah. like what, what's her, the, who plays Mon Mothma? Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly. Like, my goodness, like. I, I, she was almost my favorite storyline for the entire show. Like I just wanted more of her. And I mean, this is coming, you know, obviously I love Mon Mothma because, you know, she was briefly in Jedi, but then a lot more in the books. And so it was great to kind of see her, you know, stuff expanded. But Genevieve is amazing at this role, like to play the, the politician slash starting rebellion kind of thing of, you know, 
bouncing back and forth. Just oof, my goodness, it's. But yeah, everybody's yeah, coming. and then and then Andy, Andy Circus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we all knew he was a good actor, right? Like I had no concerns, but he's he's next level in that role. Yeah. I mean, the only time that I've actually seen him not do something like crazy voice kind of stuff was like Black Panther. And he played an over the top character. And so, like, you know, it was fun. and It was good. Like, and, and, like, I know he's a good actor, but like him just in his normal voice, just yeah. not and, and not him only, being him. But yeah, he's great. Yeah, he is. And the only other movie that I can think of in recent memory where he does, he's given that opportunity as well as the Batman <gasps> as Alfred. Yes, yeah, I totally forgot. So he is he's very, very good in more traditional roles where he's not expected to mm-hmm. do the face capture voice work. Yeah. He's he's very strong, very strong, very confident on camera. Um, clearly a seasoned actor that is aware of the way the camera will pull out subtlety. And the entire cast operates that way. This is a show of subtlety. Mm hmm. What's the what's the actor's name that plays the kind of corporate guy? Oh, Kyle Soler or Soler. I'm, you know, apologize that I don't get his name. The guy plays Cyril, the one who was part of the corporate sector and then, you know, tries to get in with the ISB. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's got chops. Yeah. Yeah. And to play it like how does it he plays a hated role. Like mm-hmm. you never really like him, but yet I still was invested. Like I still was like, you are still an interesting character. Obviously he's not a Darth Vader or, you know, some other bad guy where I'm like kind of rooting for him. Disliked him a hundred percent right off the, uh, off the cuff. But I'm still like, Ooh, your story is kind of interesting. What, what they've doing, we're doing with him. Um, and he plays it to a T like he can play that righteous indignation and woe is me kind of yep. situation. And also trying to play the game to, you know, really get back at Cassian or, you know, work his way up the chain kind of a deal really well. And they do, the show does layers of what we would define as evil really well, Mm -hmm. because then you have basically the empire's version of the Gestapo that is operating from a, really a place of just, most of them are just trying to be good at their jobs, but they're still evil. Mm Mm-hmm. So not everyone is is the emperor. He's obviously pulling the strings and has constructed this monstrosity, but the people under him all have very different motivations, but they're still evil, which brings me to my next big point, which is this script and story structure is so good and pulls so much from what the original inspiration for the empire was, which was the Nazi regime, mm-hmm. that you could take this entire 12 episodes and put it in Europe circa 1941 to 43, 44. And you would have an award-winning show mm-hmm. about rebellion. It'd yep. probably be French resistance or something like that, but it's that good. It doesn't matter what era you set this in it. The story is that strong under its own weight. It's merely magnified tenfold by the fact that it's operating within star Wars. Yeah. And it, how do I like, so going back to what, you know, watching the first episode of Mandalorian and watching Andor, there's a couple things where I feel like it grounds. Now, again, they're two different shows, two different time periods. So, but I feel like it grounds the character a lot more. Um, and the world 
is quickly filled lived in. Whereas it is in Mandalorian, like the whole opening sequence when he's in the bar, you know, and especially when he kills like one guy with the door, like that's really cool. But there was something with Andor where like I was bought in pretty quickly. Um, and I was reading a thing that talked about how, especially like with comparing this with like Obi-Wan or even Boba Fett, where like some of the opening sequences are these large vistas or the CGI. And, and then you pull back on the character. Whereas Andor does the opposite, where it's open, basically, especially its opening sequence is the lights just going across, and then it pulls onto him close up, and then he walks, you know, um, into frame more and away from the camera. The camera stops moving, and then you see the vista of that corporate sector, which um, totally made me happy because again, there's a whole book from the Han Solo series that's about that has a corporate sector authority. I was really mad that they didn't call it that because I was like, oh, that would have been perfect. But like, totally, you know, in the world there is, there can be corporate sector stuff. And then when it goes, things go wrong. The Empire says, ah, we're going to take over now. You're an idiot. We're get, getting right. out of the way. So, like, made my my fandom. I am that nerd who's just like, well, that's not how that works. You know, even in this fictional world, like, no. Andor was like, no, this is how it works. This is perfect. Like, uh, so uh, th- th- this again, this show is just great. And I hate the kind of prequel stuff where, like, you were talking about, like, we all know Cassian can't die in this at all. Like, because yeah. he's got to go to Rogue One, which is a, a, a great film, my favorite of the the Disney Disney ones. But I still was so invested in his character and more so about how he transitioned, how he got mm-hmm. to there and less, you know, and less like, okay, just get to there. Like for the prequel star Wars movies, I was, it was more like Anakin, just, can we just get you to Darth Vader the entire time? You know, spoiler everyone, by the way, Anakin Skywalker's Darth Vader. Sorry. You know, let that one out of the bag. We're going to edit that out. But but I actually care. Like, I really want to watch more. Like, I don't want to get to Rogue One. I, I want to see more of Cassian, what he's doing, how he handles things um, and how he gets from kind of where he's at to that really dark place where he's at in Rogue One. You know, yeah. when he starts yeah. off where he kills in an instant. I mean, which he does in this show, but he does. A, he is he is dark in Rogue One. He's much more hardened by the time you. Yeah. Rogue One. And we can. It's not hard to conjecture why yeah. that is. And we get, what, maybe two more seasons of Andor? I think so, yeah. like I know they're talking about, like, literally the show's going to end where Rogue One picks up, basically. Right. So um, so be be interesting to see. Um, and that'll That's be a fun true. watch at some point, is to, like, watch through yeah. all of Andor and then go right into Rogue One and see if that changes. Because I love Rogue One. It does have some flaws and a lot of different flaws uh, to it, so, so which I had some problems with. But Andor just have loved. Yeah, I can't so. I can't really come up with any big flawed areas in Andor well, to, to discuss. I mean – the AK-47s in the heist, you know, that, a lot of people were moaning, bitching and moaning about that. So, so it's a uh, universe I, where the Kalashnikov was invented. Well, and true. Well, okay. So again, nerd, nerdum, take it with take it with a grain of salt, uh, nerdum. But there are bullets in Star Wars, mm-hmm. like, like things. Yeah. There are yeah. slug throwers. That was one of the purposes of. The, the stormtrooper armor is the stormtrooper armor doesn't stop lasers as we all know because they die all the time but actually it was built to stop bullets because not everyone can have a laser gun even though it seems everyone does i mean that's that kind of how this works right but that was kind of one of the things it is an armor against things so it's not just for show i mean it is and 
Right. And kind of come in full circle with how dangerous this empire is. This is a show where stormtroopers don't miss a whole lot, which the only thing that I could surmise that made sense to me of why do they not miss that much in the Andor and say Rogue One, mm-hmm. but they do miss a lot in the original trilogy that I think is a fun fan explanation for me is, is the force mm-hmm. is it work with them not being accurate shooting after our favorite group yep. who's got two people that are force sensitive running around in it. But yeah, this, this empire lethality to the max and they don't care about anybody. No. And one of the things I really did like too, is to kind of highlight that lethality. I was reading this was that the creators and the showrunners didn't really feature a lot of, Imperial technology or, you know, ships like like when the TIE fighters are flying through in the the second three episodes when they're going to do the heist or whatever, like you don't really get to see them up close too much. Like, you know, you have like when they're on the ground, like you see them in the background. So it's kind of this they they likened it to like a monster thing, like a monster thriller where we're just getting glimpses of the monster. We're not actually seeing the full thing. So it kind of boosts its, you know scariness it boosts it's kind of you know frightening and that's kind of what like they're doing with the empires like they're not going you know you know to push this and just put it out there they're trying to like kind of keep it back a little bit so it's always there that the empire is out there it could be right around the corner which makes it a lot tenser than what it could have been yeah and you only get a perspective of the empire that the average person was so a lot of it is always from the ground yeah which is a perspective for all the ships and technology that you, for, for whatever reason, you just didn't get a lot of in the original trilogy or the prequels as much. Like you referenced the type those TIE fighters flying in, I believe they're coming from like a mountain kind of behind a mountain range. And yeah. the sound design is really good too for that, where you can, you can hear things coming, but you can't see it. And it just gives a fresh perspective on the Star Wars universe. And it ultimately, it makes it feel more visceral, more real. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was, like you said, they shot so much of this on location yep. and then just enhanced those, those, those locations with, I'm assuming a little bit of CGI, but I love the way Star Wars looks when they make the effort to just go and shoot on location. It's just so much more convincing to my eye. And I get yeah. more invested because it, it just feels so much more believable. Yeah. Well, and we didn't go to Tatooine. So that really made me happy too. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. just – I mean I think uh, – and we didn't really have a desert planet. Um, I mean you could say Ferrix I guess was, uh, but it had – it was more of like reddish brown than the typical sand dunes and stuff like that. So um, – which made me happy. So we didn't – because I mean even in Mandalorian and obviously Boba Fett and Obi-Wan and – Pretty much almost all the movies, ex- you know, except for uh, Empire, go back to some desert planet, you know, yeah. something that looks just like Tatooine, you know, Jakku yeah. or whatever. I'm, and I'm just done with that. Like, I'm like, there are thousands of planets in the galaxy. They don't all have to be desert planets. Can we get a little variety? And we really hit that, I think, with with this. Yep. Um, yeah, the felt the the universe has never felt larger mm-hmm. than it does so, in Andor. I will say one thing I really loved too. Um, kind of changing things a little bit, but going back was the ISB 
uh, lady whose name escapes me, Deidre, I think yeah. was her name. Yep. Um, I loved how they kind of built up her in the beginning. It's kind of like we were rooting for her because she, you know, she was kind of the, the, the woman in this male dominated like council or whatever. And, you know, the playing politics with the one guy who wouldn't share anything. And, we're, you know, I kind of for me, I was like, you need to go, Deidre. Come on, come on, go. I want I want her to succeed. And then she does, and she immediately is just, just as ruthless as the rest of oh, them. Oh, yeah. And just as terrible. I'm like, oh, no, I like, I, I was rooting for you, and that was, I shouldn't have been, you know? And, it, like, I liked that. Like, that was great. Like, it, it felt kind of like you were saying, like, these these people are evil, not in the same way the Emperor was, but very much more, I just care about me. And you know what? Yeah. Everyone who's yeah. not in this room, like, not you know, who is in my way or, um, is on another planet is meaningless. Like, I don't care. It's, I'm all for the power dynamics and the power struggle of getting as high up as I possibly can in this. And that was a lot of fun. You know, again, it's not, it's not evil in the same way that the emperor was evil, but it's still evil. And it has direct consequences on the lives of other people. Um, Yeah. And this is, this is much in the same way that under the Nazi regime, people were evil, even if they didn't have a direct hand, in what was going on, they still they, their motivations don't forgive them, mm-hmm. don't absolve them of being a part of something that's heinous. So yeah, it's a much more layered, nuanced empire than I think we've seen in a lot of content with the different motivations for people that are yeah. under that imperial umbrella. And yeah, Deidre, really interesting character. Very, very strong performance. Mm-hmm. Denise, is it Denise? It's either Go or Goff is the actress that plays her. And yeah. Denise, yeah. Cow, Go. We're, we apologize, Denise. If you ever watch this, so, we're really so sorry. So sorry, Denise. But we think yeah. your performance is extraordinary. Yeah, fantastic. Amazing. <laughs> well done. You made me hate you and care about you at the same time. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, oof. I want more of this. I want more Star Wars. That's not Jedi in the force. I know I'm probably not in the like everyone loves the force, loves Jedi. I mean, like, that's why we watch it. It's the magical portion. It's the you know, the the wizarding stuff. I could care less. I mean, not not. Sorry. Sorry. That's not correct. I mean, I could care less because I do care about that <laughs> stories and I do really like that. Um, but for me, I really like you know, seeing characters that are not force sensitive and seeing how they deal with the world. And I really like this high empire um, building. I'd like to even see shows that are like just after Jedi, like the, like in the, the span of the five years in between Jedi and like Mandalorian or something of like, how does, cause it's, it's not like the emperor dies at Endor and then a uh, spoiler again, um, it dies at Endor and then the empire just falls apart. Like it's gonna, it takes time, yeah. and I want to see yeah. them build, like the New Republic <clears throat> right. build into that. Um, and, you know, there's there's so many stories that you can have that don't involve Jedi, that don't involve your main characters. Um, so, but if they do, I mean, I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of people that I think would be great villains, and we don't need to do that, you know, anti-aging stuff. No right. offense, Mark Hamill. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Like, Sebastian Stan. But, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, Sebastian Stan. And I think Alden from Solo, playing Han Solo, I think he did a fantastic job. I think that movie is so un- underrated. That cat uh, gets so much unwarranted hate. Yeah, he. I mean, 
He was great. He was the performance like, was there. People just he, wanted him. They got frustrated. He didn't look like Harrison Ford. But, yeah, totally unfair. Yeah, and then he was close enough to like Harrison. Like he got he got the essence of the character of mm-hmm. Han Solo. Yeah. He didn't play it as Harrison. He wasn't trying to be Harrison. Oh. He was trying to be Han Solo. And as a young one, you know, a younger Han Solo, and it worked. It was, it, it, yeah, it was great. So, yeah. yeah. Disney, but, so hit and miss with it, this stuff. And I don't know what it is because, uh, like, I feel because you know there, there's been lots of talks of like Kathleen Kennedy having too tight of a uh, control on on things or trying to push certain agendas or certain storylines and stuff like that. And I know you know reading that she and John Favreau are kind of in in beefs right now, or at least supposedly in beefs right now over whatever. I don't even know if at. that's true or not. It's so hard to confirm or deny any of that. Yeah. Um, but I also know, like, I have a I do have a big problem with, like, you know, one off directors or someone who's done something, you know, like the showrunners for Andor. I haven't looked at that. I should see what they've done before, but where they've done something and then they're like, oh, that was great. You know what? You can just do whatever you want. And then their next product is not nearly as good because some of that I think some of that greatness comes from the studio or the head, you know, the head or whatever is putting roadblocks saying, I don't want, want you to do this. You can't go this direction. And not all their ideas are great, but they definitely got gold out of this process of, you know, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know much about the, if there was any battles of what they were talking about or, you know, storylines that didn't make it in because someone at Lucasfilm was like, no, or I mean, or someone at Disney was like, no, don't, we don't want this, you know, th- take this out or check on their work. Like, Whatever was in place needs to stay in place. Those checks and balances, because just giving someone, I mean, Taika Waititi, like Thor Ragnarok was amazing, in my opinion. But Love and Thunder, like, I feel like they just, you do what, like, Taika, you do whatever you want for this one. You were super successful with with Ragnarok. Love and Thunder is your baby. Just go for it. And it didn't hit. It didn't. No. I think some of that is that, that balance of, you know, when you're just able to do whatever you want, no one's there to tell you that's crap. So Yeah. But if I'd have told you three or four years ago that the writer-director of Michael Clayton would give us the best piece of Star Wars since oh, Empire, would you right. believe me? No. Would you, have belie- but would is- you believe me if I told no. you Tony Gilroy would give us this? No. no. But Michael Clayton is good. Michael Clayton is Yes, very, it is. No, excellent. it's tremendous. It's completely underrated. It's probably George Clooney's, maybe Clooney's best role. Yeah, this was for sure his best dramatic role. But well, no, I'm gonna I tell you uh, that last. Sorry, we're gonna tangent on a Michael Clayton just because he brought up that last the ending credits of Michael Clayton where he's just in the taxi and and he's you know just acting, no talking, nothing, and just him driving in a taxi after everything's going down is super difficult to just stay in character, not do anything and just be that character. Mm-hmm. Like that's more difficult than it looks. You're just like, Oh, you just sit there and you look around like, no, 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 no. Like there's, he's got to get through that emotions of what he's been through this entire trip. Sorry. That was a nice tangent, but I, that scene always amazes me at the end. Well, no, it's directly play. connected. I mean, Tony Gilroy, this yeah. is, this is his baby. This is why Andor is so good because the, because, and he's, he's really more known as a writer than he is a director. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely shows. Yeah. And so so now I think with the success of this. Oh, and he he wrote Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. With the success of this. No, with the success of this, I think you're going to see Disney 
really look at non-traditional writer directors mm-hmm. to hopefully bring into the fold if they're interested in playing in the Star Wars sandbox. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would if you had told me that the writer director of Michael Clayton is going to come in and rock our world with a series prequel to well frankly even with Rogue One, I wouldn't have believed yeah. you. And that's the challenge that the executives at these studios have is they get tunnel vision like I probably would in who is deserving to play in the Star Wars world and who is not. And you are always going to lean towards these guys and gals that were doing fantasy or some other piece of science fiction mm-hmm. or action. But are you going to hire the the guy that specializes in dramatic writing? And mm-hmm. probably not. But now I think you really have to take a close look at that dossier or index of of dramatic, talented writer directors that are specializing more in drama because mm-hmm. you can do action. You can bring in folks to create action sequences that play, yeah. but you, but finding those people that can hit these emotional beats and these emotional notes. So, so well with such precision, that's a smaller group. Mm-hmm. So well, Gilroy, I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Man. Um, but to go back to hit, like, like you said it multiple times, you can take this show, put it in Nazi Germany, and it works. And that's, I mean, yeah. the original Star Wars trilogy, yeah, it's a sci-fi or more of space fantasy than sci-fi, I would say. But like, the story doesn't need to be in space or in this galaxy far, far away. Like, it can actually be. You could take that out and kind of plop it down in a lot of different areas and still have a good story. Where I think, like honey, you were talking about, like focusing on getting these sci-fi writers or these sci-fi directors or whatever, is that, like, that's that's the last focus you should have is to make this sci-fi. Like, give it a give it a good story that can play anywhere and it will fit in the Star Wars universe. You know. Yes. And that's what that's what makes it so good. You know, that's what makes it so. So excellent is because this is a story that could fit and not just even Nazi Germany. I'm sure there's, you know, there's plenty of authoritarian governments across the globe or, you know, across time and history that this could play oh, out, that this could easily for fit. Sure. You know? this, this, could, this fits in Rome. This yeah. fits this fits in Imperial China. This fits. Yeah. Over the last 2000 years of human history, you probably could find a span in time to have this story of rebellion and it would play out yeah fantastically so yeah i agree with you i think too many previous properties in star wars really just relied on the brand Mm. to carry it where they didn't feel like they'd have to put in a bunch of effort to make it good that just merely having star wars stamped on it that it would be good and that's just not true We've yeah. already seen it. Well, I mean, and we've 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 had it even from the guy who created it. I mean, the prequels are a hot mess. And I was rereading a documentary and stuff like that that talked about it, and it was kind of going back, and it was saying that everyone who was in the room with Lucas when he was writing, you know, well, not writing, but like when he was talking about it and making these things, they were like, "Who's gonna argue with the guy who created this?" He goes, "Yeah, but we should have. We should have pushed back on some of his ideas because." looking back we all were like i don't think this is gonna work or like we don't really like this but you have george lucas i mean this is his world his universe like you don't say no and i'm like 
but you do. I mean, he doesn't really want to direct him anyways. Like, I mean, he kept pu- trying to push off the, you know, being a director in the first, you know, trilogy. So I think, you know, I don't know, just you got to have that people who push back and be like, ah, I don't know if I agree with you. So it's an extraordinary piece. Do you have any parting thoughts as we move off of looks like an expanded episode on Andor, yeah. but I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with we it. Had a, we had a uh, lot to digest. It's, it, it's a fabulous piece of television and something we call cinema. It's extremely yeah. cinematic. In uh, fact, I wish, only- I wish they would have released these in theaters I'd in three it. hour, I'd- in three hour ch- chunks, three mm-hmm. hours, an episode, you know, tied together and throw it at the AMC and the Regal. Mm-hmm. I do it. I would immediately sign up, sign me up. Yep. Um, the only thing, the only thing that I was, I can't wait to see is when Cassian meets with K2SO. Cause man, <laughs> Alan Tudyk is K2 yeah. as yeah. just the best. I'm, I'm so excited. Yep. That relationship is fun. It is. It is. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of cinema A to B. We hope if you have not seen Andor and we probably just ruined it all for you, but that you'll watch it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but we're hoping most of you have already seen this spectacular yeah. piece of television and we'll watch it again. Yeah. I plan to. <laughs>